Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. It's Notre Dame BYU week. This is Irish Illustrated Insider, Wednesday, October 5th, three days before Notre Dame takes on BYU. In Las Vegas, I'm joined by Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. I'm Tim Priester, and we will talk about a bunch about BYU here with questions in the second segment and a little bit in the first segment. But I did want to jump into the interview sessions that we had yesterday. We had Tommy Reese, offensive coordinator. We got defensive line coach Al Washington, as opposed to Al Golden. And the players on offense were Audric Estime and Jarrett Patterson on defense, Riley Mills. And Jack Kaiser, Tim, I know that you read the trans- transcripts. Pete, you were there. Uh, Pete, just some of your impressions from our interviews yesterday. I talked to Reese, Estime, and Patterson. Um, you know, I think Patterson sort of fits into like offensive linemen are the best interviews that that camp because um, he's able to sort of speak in specifics and engages you in the interview it's you know the first time we talked to him since he kind of blew up at the end of the Marshall game um I think he handled that line of questioning great um because it doesn't need to be super awkward when you talk about something that happened that we all saw so you know it was interesting to hear him detail about his foot and how I think he said he has the most expensive foot in the Goog um because of all the tape and special plates and orthotics in there now um and, you know, it was a question I asked Reese about, like, how much better does Patterson make Carell? How much better does Patterson make Alt? And, you know, I think we all talk about, we, we think about that concept in terms of like a great receiver makes a quarterback better um, or, you know, Kyron Williams makes an offensive line better. But I don't think we think about specifically in terms of how a left guard makes a left tackle or a center better. But I think it's, it's clear that's happening based on <laughs> what's happened over the last couple of weeks uh, with the offensive line and the run game and the offense in general. What struck me reading the Reese transcript was the change in discussion with the offense, specifically a guy like Logan Diggs, where three weeks ago it was, you know, it's hard to play three running backs. It's, it's hard to get him in there. And, Lo- and Logan Diggs didn't play. And then Logan Diggs has that game. And it's like, there's going to be games where he's the hot guy and he's out there the most. That's kind of what I mean, it kind of tells you where Logan Diggs is now compared to where Logan Diggs was then. And it, it's, it illustrates Notre Dame's improvement. Like they now have another weapon in the skill positions. And it's, all because that offensive line is coalesced. And I think the strangest thing for me, it'll always be this way, is that the offensive line took two and a half games to get going under Harry Heastand. And I, and, but that goes to Pete's point. I think Garrett Patterson not being healthy had something to do with that. Yeah, I just think Garrett Patterson was battling through not being, shouldn't have been out there. I, I tweeted this out after, I don't know, it was after the Ohio State game and the Marshall game. But like, if you look at when Heastand came to Notre Dame the first time, it took 12. them like four or five games to get going. And well, they that was were, on an undefeated team. Like, yeah, they. I, I was, they were playing better. They weren't playing Marshall. I get no, that. No, I, I always figure. Um, I always look back at that as because they destroyed Navy, which I, they probably would have done with this line too. But um, yeah, I skipped that. I, I, I'm just saying it took them against power five teams. Yeah, four, yeah, three or four games. I, I, I always kind of give Navy them the pass on that Purdue game because they had four days back from Dublin or whatever, basically when they played that game. But you're right. right. They, against Michigan State, Michigan, Purdue, it was not an off. It was not an offense that looked good no 
Yeah, I enjoyed talking to Jared Patterson for many of the reasons that you mentioned, Pete. I thought, I think, you know, had we gotten him like the week after the Marshall game, it might have been a little bit more uncomfortable, but time had yes. passed. And and you you broached the the, the topic uh, well, and then I followed up with it. I said to him, you know, I was nearby when it happened. I saw that Hunter Biven, the North, former Notre Dame offensive lineman, is the one that stopped you from going into the locker room. I'm like, you know, did what, what if you had gotten to the locker room, what, what would you have done in there by yourself? I mean, would you, would, you, would, you, would you be thinking, damn, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Or, I thought or, I would have just headed out the tunnel, like yeah. walk back to his apartment in full uniform. <laughs> that would be great. Actually. Anyway, he said, that. he said, Bivin's still a pretty big dude. And he would have had a hard time getting by him. You uh, didn't use my line on him, that Hunter Bivin threw the best block of the day for the Irish that day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and, and, and I, there, there a, a very small segment of people said, oh, you know, no excuse. Well, there is an excuse. There is an excuse with Jared Patterson because he, he's a captain. He came back. He he battled with the decision about coming back or not. And, and uh, you know, then he gets hurt and then they have two losses and they can't win a national title. So uh, or, or, you know, can't play participate in the playoffs. So I may understand where he, he was coming from. Uh, I. I enjoyed uh, Audric Estime. I, Pete, you thought that maybe there were some cl- cliches in there, and there certainly were. But well, I got a kick out of the fact that, you know, I asked him. I mean, it, it's been two years. It's been two years since he had a big game. I mean, think about that. If you're a you're a big time athlete, you come yeah. out of high school, and it takes two years before you experience the kind of success that you did in high school. But interestingly enough, the fumble that he lost. He said was the first fumble yeah. he's lost in his career. That was it. Wasn't even it wasn't even forced. I mean, it was self-inflicted because he was yeah. reaching for the goal line. And you know, I think that that's. I mean, on one hand, is you know, coaches, you shouldn't be reaching for the goal line, but there are also instances when you need to reach in order to get the touchdown. Now he got the first down on the play, but he did. He wasn't thinking about that. You know, he's thinking about scoring. But anyway, pretty interesting that. And maybe not shocking that an Audric Estime has, has not ever lost a fumble before. You know, one thing that was interesting that he said it toward the end of it was like, I, I just sort of gave him a, threw a, pitched up a softball about like, you know, is this sort of how you thought your Notre Dame career would go? Thinking like, okay, it's, it's year two, you're playing a ton, you're basically a starter, like you're coming off a great game, like that, yeah, like, and that, you know, he would sort of view it as a positive and it was like, he kind of like, I don't want to say he was like staying offish about it, but he's sort of like, well, no, like this is not, I can't well, say he thought, this is how I thought yeah, it was going to go at all. He thought back to last year, what it was like, and he had seven carries all year and six of them came in the yeah. 11th game of the regular season. Yeah. I think we just sort of maybe forget the fact that like, if you're in it, taking a long-term view as a college kid is actually very hard to yeah. do. I want to ask players that more often because sometimes it's, you know, like think about a, a Xavier Watts. Now he's playing more and stuff. And eventually, I mean, probably he has a, a shot at starting next year. But, you know, when you go two and three years without being a star after being a, yeah. you know, Watts was a dominant offensive and defensive player. And just I think I need to ask some players that a little bit more often because you can't, I think it's difficult for us to relate to the emotional turmoil that a stud player coming out of high school has to go through waiting for his opportunity. Yeah, and it's, I was, obviously, I'm thinking of particular examples this year of, of freshmen not playing, but I thought of Audric Estime last year, like, 
where was he going to play, right? He can't think that way. There's no way he's going to think that way. But Kyron Williams is on your team. Who had his own freshman year. Where Yeah, once Logan Big, Kyron Williams had to sit out basically his freshman year. It's got to be tough, though, because, I mean, I think Audrick Estime probably could have contributed last year had Logan Diggs not contributed, right? It was Logan Diggs won the role. That must be frustrating because I'm sure in practice, Audrick Estime felt he was every bit as good as Logan Diggs, if not Kyron Williams. But that that's that's a good question, a line of questions to ask Tim when they are seniors that are playing. <laughs> as opposed to yeah, as opposed when they can get a little farther away from the red shirt. Right, right. It's well, well in the past, and they can maybe feel a little bit more comfortable <laughs> right, right. talking about it. Um, you know, Mer- Tobias Merriweather was br- brought up to Tommy Reese, and I kind of sense that he didn't really want to go down that that path again. Because the reality is, I mean, and Pete, I thought on Monday, you, you know, I said, well, the player's got to meet you halfway. And you said, no, the player's got to meet you more than halfway. And you're absolutely right. I mean, and I don't even know, I probably shouldn't even have brought this up now because we're, we're tired of talking about it. But look, freshmen will play if they're ready to play. Lorenzo Styles is ready to play, what, four games into the season? Maybe Tobias Merriweather is ready to play in, in game five. I don't know, but the Nordham coaching staff understands the issue that they have a wide receiver. They don't have enough bodies out there. If they felt comfortable putting them on the field, they put them on the field. Uh, so this morning, because I'm a hate myself, I went through the top 20 receivers in last year's cycle and then went through pro football focus to see how many snaps they had all played of the top 20 receivers last cycle. Tobias Merriweather was, was 18th. Who's ranking. How many have played fewer snaps this season than Tobias Merriweather? Wow, you're dying to tell us, man. He's played one. F- and it's because he hasn't played any because he's injured. He's a knee injury. <laughs> so, so Notre Dame does every, a every receiver who's been healthy, who was ranked in the top 20, has played more than Tobias Merriweather. Half of them have played 50 snaps. Eight of them have played at least 100 snaps. Four of them have played 200 snaps, it, which it will is be basically strange. what Lindsay has played. Or I'm sorry, what Styles has played. It'll be strange to it's strange. It remains strange to me because they are so hell bent on rotating on the back end of the secondary for the sake for the for the purpose of building depth and building it for the course of the season. You know, I, and I don't I'm not saying Tobias Merriweather has to take 25 snaps a game, but it just seems like there's a way of getting guys. If you really want to build depth for the course of the season, you've got five corners now at your expense. You have put in Jaden Mickey at times, at your expense, right, as a team. Yeah, or, or even playing, like, you know, Rubio and, you know, right. get, getting to, like, beyond the, the comfort deep, level. It seems like know? they're beyond the comfort level places. They put an Alex Ahrensberger. I know he's older, but they put an Alex Ahrensberger against Marshall with the game on the line. Like, it seems like you could find a way for Tobias Merriweather to be yeah. in there. Well, I mean, Tui Alamaku, who they like, he was in, right. he was in against Cal. I don't think he had real good reps and we haven't seen him since, but yeah, I, you know, I don't, I shouldn't even, I don't even know why I bring it up again. I mean, well, I think it's important that we like, we're, I'm not saying he's better than the guys I'm saying, or he's doing better than those players in front of him. I'm just saying you can augment them. You're augmenting other positions. You can augment the wider. You could help Braden Lindsay in November. If Tobias Merriweather could play a little bit. Yeah. There's for, no for, for, you know, to a hell and, of a Like he played four snaps against Cal and then he did get on the field. He had three snaps against North Carolina's kind of situation. Oh, he did. Stuff. Okay. Yeah, you know, I 
you know, I, I, I just, I'm veering off here a little bit, but we're, we're talking about receiver. I mean, Braden Lindsay, Braden Lindsay has got to beat somebody one-on-one. I mean, he's got, they, they, he's got to beat somebody one-on-one and he's going to get pressed this week and that'll make it very difficult, but uh, man, it is hard to sustain. I think I said it Monday, you know, if you had a bye week after four games and then another four games, it, yeah. it would, you know, you could, you could probably get by like that, but um I don't know. Well, hey, let's real quickly, uh, BYU, uh, Nordame, I believe it opened at two and a half. It bumped up to three and a half. Uh, the over, I originally seen a line at 55, the over under it's 51 and a half. Just what are your thoughts on that? Because I know a lot of times when the line goes from two and a half to three and a half, they're begging you to take, you know, BYU. in this case, mm-hmm. yeah, they're begging yeah. you to take BYU, right? Um, I, I find these interesting. That's why I actually really like to look at those preseason lines where Notre Dame was favored by nine and a half. And a lot of Notre Dame fans were like, that's not enough. That's no way. That's nowhere near enough against BYU. And uh, like the, the impossibility of it being seven and a half right now <laughs> in, in this matchup. But the over under dropping is not surprising to me. I don't buy into it, though. I think I, 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 I think Notre Dame's offense is just better than it was uh, a couple weeks ago. And I know it was North Carolina. I just think Notre Dame's offense is better than it was a couple weeks ago. Like they, they were so inept at the first two and a half games. They just don't resemble that to me. And I don't think the backslide is that bad. I don't think the backslide is first half. Well, it can't be first half Cal. I don't think the backslide is like the ugly moments during the first two games. I don't think the backslide comes this week. Yeah. I could come against Clemson. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But I don't I don't think the backslide it's not comes coming this next week, week because no, it's not coming yeah. next week against Stanford either. Although again, you will face a very talented quarterback. Yeah. That'll they be three weeks three weeks in a row where you they will have faced a very talented quarterback. Pete, you got any thoughts on the line or which direction this game is is going as it gets closer? I I agree that it's a line that's begging you to take BYU, right? Like they're, they're trying to get, get you to do that. Um, maybe in the same way that, you know, the North Carolina line was trying to get you to take Notre Dame, um, which you should have. <laughs> yeah. That was a good call. Yes. Um, lesson, lesson learned, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, and I, you know, I think Reese was asked about this yesterday about, you know, how much of the offensive success was down to the offense, how much of it was down to, Gene Chizik and linebackers who don't know how to cover. Um, and like, you know, Reese is never going to say like, well, North Carolina sucks. So, um, but there's, there's, it's both, right? Like both things can be true at the same time that Notre Dame played good offense and took advantage of a, a terrible, terrible defense. Um, BYU is a lot better coach than that. So I think the yeah, over under is that. too, is too low. I would bet the over on that. Um, but you know Notre Dame's not going to score forty-eight points. Remember, I I, I texted you guys uh, two days after the North Carolina game, and I was looking at over underline of fifty-five, and I told you guys take the over, and it's it it, it has settled yeah. in at fifty-one and a half. Um, you know, I understand why it's lower, but I still think over the course of sixty minutes, it's it's uh, it's it's going to go over. But we'll see. We have more to talk about with BYU in the second segment. And this segment of Irish Illustrated Insider has been brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. 
Located on Fremont Street in historic downtown Las Vegas, Circa is the home of the world's largest sports book where you can watch up to 19 games at once. Want to be outside? No problem. There's no better place to take in all the college football and NFL action than Stadium Swim. Six pools on three levels and a 40-foot-tall high-def screen to watch all the action. Irish fans, when you come to town this week for the Notre Dame BYU game, Circa is the place for you. For reservations and more information, go to CircaLasVegas.com. Back in a moment, segment two, burning up the boards. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun, here to share the Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame, an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Here's another Irish tale from Do Dublin at dodublin.ie. Have you ever felt uneasy signing a lease for a house or a car? You'll know a little how Arthur Guinness felt when in 1759 he signed a 9,000-year lease for the St. James Gate Brewery in Dublin. He was a shrewd businessman, of course, because over 250 years later, the annual payment remains just £45. Want to find out more? Be sure you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours. Burning Up the Boards is brought to you by Game Day Your Way. Notre Dame football fans, make your trip to South Bend easy this fall with the help of Game Day Your Way. Services include tailgates, transportation, tickets, and more, making Game Day your one-stop shop for Notre Dame football weekend. Learn more at gamedayyourway.com and use promo code IRISHPOD22 to save 10% on your tailgate package. Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question comes from, and honestly, I had not thought of this, comes from ND Bass 2001 Is the game being played on Raiders grass or UNLV's turf field? Yeah, they play, the Raiders play on, on uh, grass and UNLV plays on turf in Allegiant Stadium. And I didn't know the answer, so I asked Ellen Wazlewski of Notre Dame and the answer is uh, turf. They will play on the UNLV's turf field. Question from UND Clancy. What are some of your standout memories of past Notre Dame BYU games? My first game in Notre Dame Stadium was 2005 Notre Dame versus BYU. I was a kid at the time. And Quinn, Stovall, Samarjan, Zivakowski were like superheroes to me. <laughs> that was a fun superhero-ish team if you were a kid. Wasn't it really it? was. It's not the most fun team you can think of, really, yeah. in recent oh, yeah. Notre Dame memory. That first team. And no, yeah, and no sequels are as good as the original, to prove it right there in 06. Um, that was a fun one. My memory of Notre Dame BYU, every time I hear it, is Hurricane Ivan. Because I was living in Atlanta, and I was supposed to fly down to see number one Miami and number five Florida State with my roommate who's a Florida State grad uh the game was postponed so I jumped on a plane and flew out to Provo for the 2004 game where Notre Dame gained about a yard and a half and I uh, apparently found out Provo was a dry county as I pulled into my hotel room and promptly took a hotel to Salt Lake City (laughs) Samson we were at that game 2004 we were that was uh yeah because they they moved the game so they could have a game ahead of the michigan game um because they didn't want michigan to play a game before notre dame had played and that worked out swimmingly um i remember the 2012 game finally because that was back when the media got free tickets to games and <laughs> loan that was fun was two year two and a half oh and my god went with dinah and i remember bringing them do you remember the old like 
hot chocolate machine in the press box. I freaking love that hot chocolate. Uh, yes. I brought them some. They were sitting in, you know, top row of the lower bowl. Stayed for the entire game. Sloan said she was able to give the Cougar a high five and that they had a great day. So it was freezing. Um, oh my they God. Stayed for, they stayed for the whole time. And I, I thought I you were going, I thought you were going, I, I thought you were going to say that they left because it was so brutally cold that day. No, they, there were two Cougars. In fact, I believe they had a male <laughs> Cougar and a female Cougar. Both 2004, the loss to BYU Cougars. to open 2004 just, it was the beginning of the end for Tyrone Willingham at that point. It set, it set such a poor tone for the season. And I wrote, I wrote 2012 down too, because it was brutally cold. I know people talk about the snowball. It wasn't, it was colder for BYU 2012. I mean, I heard from a lot of fans and Notre Dame pulled that game out 17 to 14. Notre Dame had a lot of games that they pulled out uh, to get, to get to the national championship uh, that year. But those are the two that, that stick out to me as well. I have one more 1992. I'm a student at Notre Dame and we have this on VHS from a, it was a giant, gigantic tailgater back by the radio tower. And I am talking people jumping on top of trucks and RVs. It was a huge thing. We have it all on VHS. Like Indy. Yeah. We have it all on VHS and there's some, a little kid comes over wearing a BYU Jersey and his dad's like, can he get on camera? Like, Oh yeah, sure. You know, we're being nice, nice students, even though we're drinking. The kid comes on, he's like nine. He goes, we still have this on video. I want to put it on, on YouTube somehow. He goes, Notre Dame sucks. <laughs> we go, what? And he goes, you heard me. Notre Dame sucks. <laughs> we're like, wow. So that kid now is, uh, what, 30 years older? I'd like to find that kid and see. If, yeah, I bet uh, you sucks. would. Yeah, Notre Dame I, sucks. I, I bet you would. Question from Nod J to Fell One. What are the best matchups for Notre Dame? in this game against BYU. Well, we've talked about up front, obviously, and it's, I think it's hilarious because 14 days ago, we would not say Notre Dame's offensive line against Brigham Young's defensive line. But nowadays we feel that way. Um, I, I mean, I think that is easily the matchup that Notre Dame has to win and that Notre Dame can win. You're going to individual matchups. Do you have another one? where you look at it and say, I, I think it all comes from the offensive line. Do you have one defensively where you say, I think Notre Dame can really <clears throat> take advantage of Brigham Young here? No, but I think I think a really, I, that, since you brought that up, I think a yeah. really interesting matchup is their wideouts against Notre Dame secondary, which has been, you know, Pete, you've brought up, you know, how good, you know, good enough. I mean, they've been pretty, yeah, right. they've been pretty darn good. And I think it's, I think that's an interesting matchup. And I really think that, when all is said and done, we're going to feel like Notre Dame's defensive line got the best of their offensive line. You know, they like to run. They, they, I mean, everybody runs jet sweeps now. I get that, but they do like to run wide. Um, I think Notre Dame's going to have success against that. Uh, so, I mean, as the game gets closer, I think Notre Dame has an advantage on both sides of the football, which probably tells you the direction that, that we're leaning at, at, at this stage. I also want to mention and I don't know if he's going to keep his job, but their kicker, Jake Oldroyd, has missed five of his. Yeah, I, I know your insider said it, Tim, yeah. the BYU insider, but I was aware of that, that he had, he's missed five of his, of his last six. And in their last game, they only attempted one field goal, and it was a new kicker by the name of Justin Smith. So He might kick. Did you see that? They're keeping the identity of their kicker secret for this game. Okay, well, then it's a good possibility, but he's a very inexperienced kicker going against a, an ultra-veteran Notre Dame kicker, not that they go head-to-head, -head, but if it comes down to that, I think Notre Dame 
at least on paper right now, has an advantage there. Yeah, I mean, the, the secondary, I was going to say, like, Jaron Hall is a 70% passer, um, you know, and when Notre Dame has run into, you know, I think even Plummer from Cal hit at a very high percentage. Um, can they sort of build on, or, you know, Plummer hit at a high percentage going into that game. Uh, yeah, not, not in the job. game, right. Uh, and then, you know, he did a nice job against Drake May in terms of keeping the percentage down, even if the yardage and the touchdowns were up, so how you balance completion percentage and big plays from a secondary that um, I think has, has played well the last two weeks. I'm interested I, in that. I, I think another interesting matchup is, is BYU's linebackers who I really like. I really like Max Tooley, number 31. I mentioned him Monday, I believe. Um, but um, Tim, your BYU insider said that, BYU doesn't have somebody to defend Michael Mayer. I realize most teams don't, right? But right. he doesn't think that they have a stopper for him. And I, I think where that comes into play is you compromise something else because of it, because you have to account for it. It's not like you can just throw your hand up. Oh, we'll just we'll just give it a shot with what we have. You no, know, you have to you have to yeah, you, sure. Deprive the change, right? So that I think that comes into play. It helps somebody else. For no, time. and they still. I mean, it, this the smart play if they can do it is try to make Nordames wideouts beat you. You know, I mean, everybody, everybody can go in with that philosophy. And sure. that's where the running backs and in the passing game come into play, et cetera, et cetera. Next from Panthers 23-23. With BYU's iffy run D and shuffling defensive linemen in and out so much, do you anticipate a lot of no huddle to allow Notre Dame's offensive line to wear down their defensive line and prevent substitutions? I think it's a good question. Yeah. And I've talked about how many guys that they play on the D line, but I don't know. I can't say that I know for sure. I mean, do they send them out? Because your guy said kind of like hockey shifts, right? So I'm not sure that they're making changes within a series. I think they bring in a whole unit or a good portion of the unit to start the series and stick with that group. Which Notre Dame does too. Then they call it when they need to sure. rally. Yeah, that, that's a lot of that. I mean, they'll they'll find a time to bring Notre Dame does find a time to bring in a whole hockey unit in the middle of a drive, but I think they just probably time it out. But it is a really interesting question because BYU, man, they just when you look at their snap total, it's just it is under, an incredible. I have never seen so many defensive linemen play. Yeah, I and mean, line, could, they play linebackers too. They rotate everybody. It's really yeah. nuts. Which, I mean, if they rotate a lot. I, I guess I'm not sure like why Notre Dame playing at pace would be an advantage um, to not allow just, the shuffle, to I not allow the, to not the, allow the, yeah, the insertion yeah. in the game at that time. And then you, but then it's like you sort of force them to play their starters more, which in theory would be a good thing for BY. Cause like Notre Dame just doesn't play at pace. They're ranked 122nd in total offensive plays. So it's not, they're not made to play fast. If you get BYU in a situation where they have a bunch of reserves and then yeah. maybe you play at pace for like a series, but you know, just to, to go throughout the entire game. Uh, yeah. I think they can play at pace better than they have though, because I, a little bit um, with four well, game yeah. samples, a little bit with four game sample size at three games were spent punting. Right. Yeah. Well, true. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's true. I mean, I, it's a legit question. I get it, but I, but I don't, at the end of the day, I mean, BYU is going to play who they play and Notre Dame's going to run the pace of their offense with whatever Tommy Reese feels yeah. most comfortable with at, at, at this stage. Question from CMU Pence fan with the elevation of Benjamin Morrison to starter. Who would you say is the last freshman cornerback at Notre Dame to look this promising this soon? Um, I guess looking promising and starting are different things, right? Because Clarence Lewis started as a freshman. Yeah. Um, 
before that they didn't have a freshman in 17, 18 or 19 at corner. So you can't go there unless you count Houston Griffith playing nickel, but I don't think really we didn't think of him as impressive or as a starter really. Uh, so Julian Love started and was really good in 16. Yeah, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if the question means like in September. He wasn't starting yet in September, was he? No, but they all started so. by October. They all started by October. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All three rookies started that year. Why, why was that? Yeah, exactly. That's true. So Morrison's <laughs> doing it on a good team. So the last guy to do it on a good team would be Kavari, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, he's doing it on a two-and-two team. Um a good, which is, uh, which is different than a four and O team. A good secondary right. though that he re- he didn't get in there because Clarence Lewis has stunk. Yeah, that's. I mean, I was looking back at snaps played for freshmen under Brian Kelly, and I think the second most was Devin Studstill, which like on a good team he would have played zero, but it was the 2016 team, and they didn't have a choice. So there's not, you know, Benjamin Morrison is a good player on a good team. The second um, most was stud still over Love and Kavari Russell. Oh, Kavari, he, he definitely played more than Love. Yeah, no, um, you know what? In this, these snap counts, I do not have 2012. So right, 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 right. Let me amend yeah. that. It's I think it's from 2014 or 2015 on. Uh, so it's the last eight years. Um, it's like well, Stud still played like right away from game one. So that's yeah. where he accrued yeah, it was some, not ideal. Some uh, not ideal. Some reps at that point. Question from Irish Gambler. BYU ranks 93rd in rushing defense. Which running back is best suited to take advantage of the Cougars and have a big day? I mean, I that's I think that's an interesting question. I do too, but I I lean towards Estime as the game progresses. Um, I really like the way Chris Tyree ran against North Carolina and against a little bit against Cal. Uh, and I think Tyree is, if he keeps running like that, he's going to have 180 yard day sometime soon, because at some point he's going to go for 75 yards to go with his five and six yard games. Cause he's the guy that can, there's one missed tackle and it's over. Right. Right. No, true. I, I mean, yes, true. I, I, I think Diggs or him is, you know, BYU has struggled with the perimeter running game. And so I think they're, I, that's why I think it's an interesting question yeah. because certainly they're going to feed estimate estimates had 35 carries for over 200 yards in the last two games, uh, averaging six yards of carry in the last two games with Diggs and Tyree. Well, we know, we know Diggs prefers kicking it outside anyway. So this may be a really good, really good opportunity for him. But um, yeah, I, I, there are yards to be gained outside the hash marks in this game. Yeah, I'm not sure I have a great answer on this one. I mean, it's like last or two weeks ago when they played North Carolina, Diggs had an awesome day, but it had very little to do with running the ball. Um, you know, it had to do with like the fact that you get in two back sets and they lose the second running back. So, hey, if if all three of them are over 100 yards of total offense again, or all-purpose yards, I should yeah. say, like, great. That's, that, that would be totally fine by Tommy Reese's. Terry's going to get one. That you know how we do our random predictions. The this is a game where Tyree's. No, I think that's a good call, Tim. I, I I think that that I think the possibility of that is definitely raised against this opponent. Next from Annie Davis. Do you think Notre Dame will be prepared for all the quote extracurriculars that come with playing BYU? Who on the roster do you think will set the attitude and bring the fight to Vegas? Have you guys seen that? Have you seen what some of the BYU defenders choose to do frequently after the whistle? Yeah, <laughs> I have not. It's, it's no. a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it, I, 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 yeah, I believe it's a thing. I, I, 
you know, that's it is I, definitely I, a mindset and an one approach. Of, yeah. Like one of the things that I think is the most concerning about BYU is I think they're, I think they play fearlessly. I think they will play fearlessly against Notre Dame. Maybe it has something to do with the maturity and the age of their players. I, it probably has a lot to do with Kalani Sataki and his coaching staff and how they go about doing things. But they, I think they will play fearlessly against Notre Dame. And again, they play, they play so many power five teams that a two and two Notre Dame team isn't going to scare them entering the game. I, I, I think they're just going to go for it. Well, I guess offensively, Michael Mayer will bring the fight because he is. Uh, Michael Mayer was the first guy that I wrote down. He's yes. going to bring the fight. Um, Joe uh, Alt's got some, some in him for a young guy, and you know Patterson does. I think Notre Dame's defense has had that approach for for several years now. Yeah, Jason, thing. Jason Adamola is at they the got a lot of good of that. Yeah. I mean, they were maybe in the maybe it peaked in 2020 from that 2018 to 2020. There are a lot of jerks on that 2020 defense. I say that in a very complimentary way. Like they, they <laughs> good really, jerks. Yeah, there were a lot of jerks out there. That's that's a good thing. I, I mean, before Ohio State, I go back to what Jason Adamolo said about like the baddest MF for like, what <laughs> what did that matter at all? Nothing. Um, but <laughs> Notre Dame is for the first part of the question. Notre Dame is staying at the Red Rock Casino, which is way off the strip. Um, it's across the street from a Costco if they want to go get free samples at some point. But like, there's not a lot going on over there. So I don't think that the whole, like you're in Vegas, the distractions, yada, yada. Marcus Freeman said, bed check is at eight 30. He's going to be doing it. Um, it's, you know, even Audric estimate got into the whole business trip thing yesterday when he was talking to us. So, well, the Red Rocks positioning is telling because it is off the beaten path and there's right. I believe it is also a well, uh, Lorenzo so Fertitta so property. Oh, there it you is go. Off the beaten path, and it's a Fertitta <laughs> property. So you know you have got a favorable rate and a favorable location for a head coach trying to get a team focused. It did remind me of like remember Brian Kelly was asked about like what do you learn as on the road as a head coach, and he had the team stay at a, a casino in Reno one time. And yes, what's the best like, Kelly wow. story ever? Yeah. <laughs> and then I had one of his former assistants, who might be one of his current assistants, say like, "Yeah, uh, the head, especially when the head coach is out to the casino at three in the morning, that really makes gives you a flat game plan the next day." So, whoa, whoa. Well, I don't think I mean, Freeman's going to get into that. No, I don't think so either. I, I mean, other guys that certainly uh, Audric Estime is a tone yeah. setter on offense. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are down in this guy and heck, he may be a little bit gun shy after getting two targeting penalties, but Bertrand's a guy that, that sets yes, the tone. Bertrand, you know, I mean, a, a surprising, right. A, a surprising tone setter. I think that most we people have, wouldn't oh, necessarily, cause you, you, I mean, you hear him in a, in an interview and he's, you know, he's so mild mannered in those settings, but he's different on a football field. He gets in a fight every practice we watch. J.D. Bertrand. So I asked Isaiah Foskey, who's his best buddy and roommate, is there anybody more different in daily life and on the field than J.D. Bertrand? And he had Foskey like lit up like, man, I can't. He couldn't think of anybody. And then he looked over and he goes, you know what? Marist. Marist is a bit of a something or other on the field, too. So maybe those are the two the two guys that bring the fight in this situation, too. Uh, I, I think I'd throw yeah. in uh, Brandon Joseph's name, too, because I'm sure that he will. Any any type of verbal yes. interplay yeah, with BYU, he'll he'll give that back. Jim Booney CRS is Bobauer healthy enough to play and will Prince Collie take all of JD Bertrand's first half snaps? The first part, we don't know. Uh, 
couldn't hurt the bye week. Uh, the second part, I think just like last time, Jack Kaiser will take 90% of J.D. Bertrand's first half snaps at will, and Collie will get some snaps. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if, how many snaps Collie will get. Um, but, you know, with Bauer, I think that's, that's unfortunately for him like a season-long something that he's going to have to manage. Um, yeah, and, and his snap count has been steadily going down, right, Tim? You, yeah, you gotta... and I actually wonder how long he's had that injury because when we talked to him late, it was either week one or late August. I think it was late August by the wording. He said, I don't know if I'll start or be a reserve, but I hope I'm on all four special teams. I remember thinking to myself, well, that was a really mature thing to say as a captain leader. Oh, it was when he became a captain. And now I think to myself, he was hurt. That's why he said he doesn't know if I'm going to start yeah, or be a reserve. Was, he was definitely hurt when he blocked the punt against yeah. Marshall, and there wasn't a, there wasn't a whole lot before that in the season. He played seven snaps against North Carolina on defense. Well, and he's still on punt block, and he's right. He, he's he, still, I think that's what it is. He refuses to not he's play. Still on punt block, play. and he he tries to do it with the one healthy arm. They have him coming from. Maybe he was always coming from the left side, but they have him coming from the left side so he can put his right his healthy right shoulder yeah. out is, is, do I have that right? Yes. Right, his right shoulder yeah. out, I think. You know, I think there's the best way to say it about Bo Bauer is there's no defensive scheme planned for Notre Dame in which you are missing JD Bertrand inside and Bo Bauer gets seven snaps if he's healthy. Right. Absolutely. Question from Brian Chesnick looking at the 23 Viper depth chart. Is there any way Aiden Gobira gets a look? I'm going to pull up the 23 depth chart real fast here. And you know what? It's not loading fast. So I will say, yes, there is a way he'll get a look because they are losing <laughs> players. Wow. That position is in flux after this season. Yeah. That's, I mean, this is where Keon Keeley's decommitment hurts you oh. in many ways, but you know, he was a guy that. How about I a grad transfer? Would, I don't think we would have been having a Tobias Merriweather kind of conversation about Keon Keeley next year. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. How, um, I, you know, a guy that I think Junior Chile Halamaka it will get a look at that position. I remember talking to somebody around the program in summer and him saying, like, I'm not so sure his best asset is flying off the edge. Um, so I, I think that's maybe that's a creating depth with within. Maybe that's a rotation. Maybe that's a permanent move. I don't know. But um, I think in terms of a Viper, he's a guy to keep an eye on moving forward. I mean, we saw one snap. We saw one snap in that practice of uh, Tui Halamaka flying off the edge. That yeah. that that really famous play we always talk about from Pine to Lindsay with the great coverage by Morris or by Mickey. It, that was Tui Halamaka pressuring him. And I'm not saying that Maris Leafal is going to be moved to Viper, but he's an he's an edge. Yeah. He's a rusher that we will continue to see how he develops as a pass rusher. They this considered season. moving him to whatever they called it back then as a friend. Remember we talked to him. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it was like the behind the scenes, Equanu and Leah are going to get a look at rush end. They call it rush end. I think then drop end, rush end, whatever. So there's yeah. a lot of linebackers there. They could do and it. Jo Did you mention Josh Burnham? I mean, he's, he's a guy that obviously that's pegged. Yeah. He would be uh, for there to... as well. He's got to get bigger. I think he's, I think he's trending in that direction, but he's got to get bigger and you, but Tello is probably could end up at, at, at either end at, the, at this point moving forward. I, you know, I don't know. And in poll Vegas week over under prop bets. I'll go, we'll go answer them as they go. Michael yep. Mayer receiving yards, 67 and a half. I'll take the over on that one. Oh, I, it, well, O'Malley's reaction there says he's already placed the bet. Yes. Yeah. Way over, way over. You found a way to play. You found a place where you can 
place that bet. I'm getting all of my Chris Tyree money back on Michael Mayer right now. So yeah. there, so. <laughs> the, lost, <laughs> the lost Chris Tyree money. That's such a load that never should have happened like that. Why don't you quickly explain that for those that don't. Uh, Chris Tyree over under for receiving yards against Ohio State was 8.5. 8.5 in the first quarter, he got a pass for six yards. Everybody looked at me I'm like, nope, need one more of those. They punted six straight times. They punted six straight times. Throw a screen pass to Chris Tyree and don't punt for crying out loud. <laughs> Defensive sacks for Notre Dame, three and a half. Uh, P, go ahead. I'll go under on that one. BYU's been pretty good at protecting Jaron Hall. Um, I think they will pressure him, but three and a half sacks is yeah. That's a big number. He's hard to sack, man. He, you know, he's just, he has such a great feel for the game and a great feel for where his release points are with, within the pocket, around the pocket. Three and a half is, is a little high. I don't think he'll allow himself to be sacked. Even if the O-line does lose the battle of Notre Dame's D-line, I don't think Jaron Hall will allow himself to be sacked four times. If he does, we're looking at a Notre Dame W. Has, Has he been sacked? Yeah, he's been sacked like five times. They've done. You know, I think job. a lot. Of, I think Less a lot of times he. He's only been hit so, seven he's times. He's so resourceful that he's try. You know, and he knows he has great escapability. That sometimes he he does get sacked just because he tries to go a little bit further than perhaps he yeah. should. I agree with the pressures, though, Pete. I do think they'll get to him. Uh, Chris Tyree yards from scrimmage ninety seven and a half. That's a lot. It's That's really high, lot. but now that I've said he's going to break one, I have to go over. I'll be a hypocrite. So over. <laughs> I'll 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 take under, but I do think it's a good game for Chris Tyree to have a sixty-eight yard run. I would bet under on that one. Just that's a bit. Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, it's a big but I can't. I, I can't. So there's no. Yeah, Audrick Estime seventy-five and a half. I go under that one as well. Yeah, it's, I don't. I'm not sure. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> it's your podcast. I'm not, it's it's Wednesday. It's yeah. Wednesday. It is Wednesday. It's early strange. in the week. For my over under, read Priester's preview on Friday. Ask us this Friday <laughs> night after a few beers. Over. Yeah. <laughs> How can they possibly stop him? Yeah. Um, ND force turnovers, one and a half. And that is for the game, not the month. I'll go over, like going back and looking at the sort of regression or progression to the mean on turnovers, like. There's just no way Notre Dame is not going to get some based on every other team in the last 10 years in college football. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, Jaron Hulse, I said this Monday, he's thrown 171 passes and and has been picked off once. I wouldn't say he's going to throw two interceptions, but I'll take the over because I'll, uh, because he'll get, have one and they'll force a fumble or two. I'll just take under because I've, Watch them play a little bit. BYU penalty yards, 78 and a half. They have been over that number in each of the last two weeks. Uh, if the refs call all the extracurricular stuff, then. Um, I'll go over then. Uh, yeah, they have, <laughs> they have, gone, yeah. They go have gone over that the last two weeks, by the way. I'll go over. Why not? What do you have to lose? Is that all of them, Tim? That is it. That is it. I'll go next to JJ Allwine. What bet would you put your notice the bet? I had to include those. We had a bunch you, you of questions. Do. We have to include bets. What bet would you put your money on in Vegas? One, Tommy Reese is at Notre Dame in 2024. 
Two, Marcus Freeman surpasses Brian Kelly's all-time wins record. Three, Nordane play a Nordane player wins the Heisman in the next five years. Or four, double zero on the roulette wheel. I will be betting double zero on the roulette wheel because I feel like I've been making a joke for like three weeks. So now <laughs> I have to put my money where my mouth is on this one. So twenty dollars, but, but green that, double zero. Friday and night. so that's your opinion that that one is more likely than the other three. Is that what you're saying? Um, well, no, Re- just... Re- Reese is most likely, but I hate to say it. Uh, green double zero is the second most likely on those four. I agree with you. I Reese is most likely to be at Notre Dame in 24 or not yes. at Notre Dame? At Notre Dame. Yeah, because Marcus Freeman has to win for 10 years. And Notre Dame has to win the Heisman in five years is by far the least likely. It didn't say Notre Dame will win a Heisman in my lifetime. It was in yeah, the next the, five years. The next five, who's the next? Who's winning yeah. in the next five years? CJ Carr? It's not Tobias Merriweather because they won't play him. <laughs> They're costing him a Heisman. Yeah. Uh, you really think, to, I man, I think, I mean, well, I think. The worst by far. Those no, are I think. Lots, yeah. yeah, but I I mean, I I don't. Well, uh, let's look I at don't the know odds the Tommy on this. Like, what are the odds of Tommy Reese being at Notre Dame? 20%? That's still higher than green double zero. Oh, okay. Not yeah, Friday, that's true. Not Friday. Yeah, Friday, that's, it's it's a lock. It's happening. Especially when I bet it 12 times. <laughs> I, but, but okay, if you just said, forget the rest of the question. If someone just said, do you think Tommy Reese will be at Notre Dame in 2024? No, it's less than 50%. Yeah, yeah I, I don't I don't think so either. Uh, yeah, I don't think so either. All right. <laughs> uh, a couple Blue of chip. questions here from Blue Chip Man. I put them together. I'm going to separate them now. Blue chip man speculate away on how Notre Dame season plays out. If Notre Dame wins Saturday. And then if Notre Dame loses Saturday. I'm trying I to don't... think if it makes a difference other than the one game, I will say if they win, they go nine and three. And if they lose, they go seven and five. So I will say an extra game. I'll add, I'll add a game in so there. So what, what, a, what extra game does it influence? It doesn't directly influence one, but it would it would show me where Notre Dame is. Okay, well, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, just be indicative of their team. That's yeah, the, the quality we're, we're of the team. We're at week five after a bye, and you found your identity. You probably shouldn't lose it if I'm going to say nine and three the rest of the way. Yeah, that's. I mean, the after the bye, I you know, I don't I hate to say it like it puts more pressure on Notre Dame to win, but like <laughs> they, should, they should win the game after a bye, like especially after playing how they played against North Carolina. What was Kelly twelve um, and one after buys, right? Yeah, yeah. We remember the one we do remember uh 12 and two there was a two. usc game in there yeah. oh there sure was oh god how yeah. could you forget that one yeah it <laughs> was their super bowl uh yeah i i wouldn't have remembered that had i not done a story on that on monday uh you know how will it impact nordane they'll be four and two and not three and three you don't think it you, if you'll change your view if they win Dame, they'll be pardon me you think as far as is a really you know i you know, I'm not a big fan. No. Of, what if they what if they beat BYU decisively? So I'll give you uh 35 to 13. I still think the Clemson game is really hard to win. I still think right. the USC game is really hard to win. I I, I don't. What if they lose 35? I mean, I understand. How, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand how you know certain aspects how they play in certain aspects of this game will influence how you think about them moving forward. And, uh, and also falling to two and three would be, 
would really suck for this team. I mean, they would really, that would, that would be, that would be shattering to them. Yes. I think they will not go eight and four if they go to two and three. That's why I changed it to seven and five. I think okay, they well that, two and three. Okay. That's fair. That's a, fair enough. That's a fair. And then, and then a question from low key Scott, if the Irish were able to beat BYU decisively, how would that change your outlook on the season? It wouldn't the same like, thing. I, I think that a loss <laughs> will impact the outlook of the season more than a win would even a decisive win. Cause I don't, you, if they beat BYU 35, 13 to use O'Malley score, like, that's not going to change how I view the Clemson game at all, nor will it change how I view the USC game. I, and I, unless they really wet the bed on Saturday, I have a hard time seeing them losing to Stanford or Syracuse or UNLV. Like they're not going to lose another game before Clemson, but if they smoke BYU, I'm not sure that makes them any more likely to beat Clemson. Um, because Clemson is really, really, really good. You will change and, your and viewpoint. Getting better. You'll change your viewpoint on Notre Dame's season in victories if the victory is Notre Dame 27, Clemson 14. That will change your viewpoint of Notre Dame. What, what Notre Dame's ability is. Yeah, but at that point, they can only really lose one. You, and you game. Would, why would you think they would lose to USC if they put one on Clemson? You know, like that. I think Clemson's. Pete, are you just saying Clemson's the next game where you'd be like, whoa? Oh, yes. Yeah. That, it's like, I think. Clemson, if if they beat Clemson, or even if they showed well against Clemson, if it was it was like a more aesthetically pleasing version of the Ohio State game, um, that would lead me to believe like, okay, they're more likely to beat USC now than they were when that game started. I just want to go on record as saying that that the the trip to the Carrier Dome could get a little could get a little funny. Now it now oh, I think it'll be a tough game. But again, yeah. but again, I want to see what Syracuse does the next few weeks. And so that's why I hate predicting so yeah, far in no. advance because I don't know what Syracuse is going to look for the next 3 weeks well, either. I think both so. things are true. I think it's going to be a hairy game in Syracuse and Pete's still right and he's not going to change his mind about the yeah. Syracuse. No, game. that's fair enough. What right. happens to BYU? All right, before we get to predictions, a lot of people want to know what gambling we would do when we're in Vegas. Three you have something I already sp- said it. Double zero for you. Okay. Blackjack and blackjack and the sports books. Sports books yeah. lose a little bit because I have DraftKings, you know, but it'll still be more fun. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm more inclined to bet on a game in Vegas, and then I don't know who's gonna collect for me. <laughs> but that's why I said DraftKings kind of takes away. Uh, the, the yeah, no, no me. doubt. But still, I want to be there at I wanna, 9 a.m. Bet a, bet a noon window game. You can collect it yourself. That. I could I could do that. Well, wait, is there a Thursday night? There are probably Thursday night games, right? I haven't looked at those. So we'll, we'll, oh, there's a time to collect your, um, I'll play a little roulette too, just so I can put something on double on, on double zero for Pete. And, uh, also I usually will play a little, uh, 16 on the roulette wheel for golden Joe. Oh, there you go. Okay. Eight 16. Okay. Yeah. I got it. Joe Montana. Okay. All right. Predictions fellas hit it day early than normal. Uh, um, as it, I make it sound like oh a day early I can't possibly make a prediction. <laughs> yeah. um, in, in in the grand scheme of our our the pattern that we have to follow it is early yeah, in the week. It's it, it is early in the week. But well, we uh, had the bye week. We had the bye week. So yeah. the bye week came at a good time. Um, yes. <laughs> I I think Notre Dame is playing well in a way that will travel to Las Vegas from Chapel Hill. Um, I think BYU is obviously a lot better coached and a lot better team than North Carolina. 
but maybe not as talented at the wide receiver position with Josh Downs and Andre Green uh, or at quarterback with not Drake May, but to Jaron Hall. So, I, I mean, I think BYU will score. Um, I just think that Notre Dame has figured out a, who they are offensively. So, oh, no, Notre Dame 33, BYU 24. Um, I, think, I think they'll play well. I think that they'll win. And what do you have there? What did you just guess? Yes. What did you just guess? Uh, you guess I what? You, 33, 24. That's, that's uh, all right. So and only gonna, a fool would copy my prediction. I'm O'Malley. not going to spoil that for Tim Priester, but um, I wrote down this right here. You guys can read that. 34, 24. I really, I agree with a lot of what you said there, Pete, that the offensive line can now travel. The defensive line will travel. And the defense is is going to put together a game. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying BYU is not going to get a, a long drive touchdown, but I just think the defense is better than they've played still. They can get better too. The defense can get better too. And I think uh, they'll answer the challenge of this game. 34, 24. Uh, I'm right there with you guys. 34, 24. Uh, I have a question for you before we wrap up in the last four games, how many times has BYU gained more than 400 yards? In the last four games, so not wait. So you're including Baylor, Baylor, Oregon, Utah State, and I, yes, I am including yeah. Baylor. Ba- yeah, Baylor, Oregon, uh, Wyoming, and Utah State. One, one time have they been over 400 yards, uh, which I find very interesting. Yeah, because they're averaging 445 yards. Yeah, well, I just think yeah, well, they had five. They it. had big games against <laughs> uh, South Florida and. In Wyoming, wait, mm. Wyoming? No, yeah, they Wyoming. Wyoming yes. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, they're fearless. Uh, I think they're going to play fearless, and that is uh, uh, my big concern. But we will have a prediction in the Friday Fighting Irish preview, and the next time that we talk with you folks, we will be out in Las Vegas. I hope you enjoy it. I'm sure we will. Bed check. Eight thirty bed check. Everybody. In the morning. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.